You're listening to episode number nine of the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Today, we're welcoming onto the podcast one of our best friends in the photography industry, the queen of adventurous elopements and an advocate for the outdoors, Abby Hearn. Abby is an adventurer, outdoor advocate, climber, skydiver, and photographer based in the Utah desert. She and her husband, Callan, run the Hearns Adventure Photography, specializing in intimate weddings and elopements all over the American West, but mainly in Moab, Yosemite National Park, and Alaska. They lived on the road full-time for three and a half years and recently bought a house in Moab where they're now spending their spring and fall while still traveling six-plus months out of the year. Abby has built her business and lifestyle around adventure and time in the places she loves most. While her business thrives, she emphasizes her own love of the outdoors, never trying to become too busy to enjoy life outside of work. The Hearns are in the top of their niche, often setting the course for others pursuing adventurous wedding photography, and have done so in a non-traditional way that goes far beyond the tempting all-in mentality of early entrepreneurship. They have redefined the world of elopements, pushed the boundaries of adventure in wedding clothes, and done so while falling even more in love with the environment and the landscape that drew them to this business in the first place. In our chat with Abby, we dived all into how she navigated her wedding photography business from Houston, Texas, shooting big weddings to what she's known for now, serving the niche of epic, high-end, adventurous elopement weddings. We talked about practical ways she raised her pricing over time, how she became a lover and advocate for protecting the outdoors, and how to balance the leave-no-trace stance as a photographer whose job it is to shoot in the outdoors. Abby brings such a unique and necessary perspective to being a destination wedding photographer, and if you're a photographer listening who has always dreamed of traveling and shooting destination elopements in epically beautiful places, then this episode is a must listen. So get your earbuds ready for some goodness because ladies and gents, here is Abby Hearn. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Abby, oh my gosh, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited. We freaking love you, and we're stoked to have you on here chatting. You are and it's such a whiz uh, when it comes to your business and especially adventurous elopements. Um, so we're excited to hear your expertise today. Oh, thank you. I am so stoked to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, can you tell us your story? Like, how did you start your journey as a photographer and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah. Um, so I'm basically an adventure elopement photographer and I have been living on the road full-time for three and a half years and then just got a house in February. Um, but I pretty much started like any normal photographer. I was living in Texas and um, I picked up a camera and really fell in love with the whole process and took a lot of photos of my dog. Um, and then I got like my first prime lens and took photos where the background was blurry. And I was like, I am officially a photographer. This is awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then throughout college, I like would always take photos of friends and, you know, do like friend senior portraits and that kind of thing. 
And then I started interning with a wedding photographer just as like a fun side gig. And I actually remember the first wedding I shot with her, I got home and I was like, yeah, I'm never doing that on my own. But this is a really fun like kind of job to do while I'm in college. Um, But then by the end of college, I'd shot like 10 weddings with her and she actually ended up referring a wedding to me because one of my friends had reached out to her and she was kind of above their budget. Um, and the friend reached out to me and was like, yeah, we want you to shoot it. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not ready to be a full-time photographer, not ready to be a lead photographer. Um, but the friend basically insisted and was like, you're going to do this and like, you're going to do it really well. And I was like, okay. Um, so I booked with her and then I can't remember if it was like right when I booked with her, but a little bit before I know I was like, Hey, Callan, who, yeah. So Callan and I were married at the time. Um, I was like, Callan, I need you to second shoot with me at this wedding. Cause I like, don't want to hire a second shooter and I want someone else there with me. So Callan literally like learned how to work a camera the week before this wedding. Oh my God. Um, we actually bought a camera on the way there, like literally called the camera what? shop and we were like, Hey, can you start charging a battery for this Canon 6D? Like we need it today. Stop. That's um, insane. Yeah. Super pro. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> we like, it kind of was like a total junk show going into it, but then we totally crushed it. Like we did such a good job and it was really amazing. And um, we had a ton of fun working together and we had so much fun working with the couple. And like at the end of it, I just remember being like, this is the best thing in the world. Um, and kind of right after that was when I started, like I decided I was going to really do this full time and just try. And it happened that that was right when I graduated college. So it was like a really clean, easy transition for me. Um, and so I started the business and started like watching every free webinar I possibly could and like watching all the YouTube videos. And, um, then like we, we booked a few weddings, like through word of mouth and through friends and, um, just kind of grew it that way. And we did that in Texas for two solid years. And then we started like doing these road trips out West. Cause I was always obsessed with Yosemite national park. I had gone as like a kid and then gone again when I was 16 with my family and it just always stuck with me. So I kind of had this whole thing where I was like, okay, like how do I go to Yosemite more? Um, and then we started like going out to Colorado and Callan mentioned this place in Utah that he wanted to go. And I fell in love with Moab. And so like our whole life was just like building this business, um, and taking whatever time we could to go out West. And it basically like very cleanly transitioned from these like big Texas weddings to me starting to realize that it would be cool if people did like their engagement photos out in these national parks and then starting to encourage people to do weddings after we booked our first elopement. And, um, eventually we hit the road full time and started doing what we're doing. And obviously there was like a lot of stuff in between, but, um, for us, it really just like changed as our lifestyle changed, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense versus like, an intentional choice to end up where we are. Yeah. That's amazing. Like you, I feel like now are just like known as the elopement destination queen, like in the photography (laughs) industry, you are just queen of all of that. Um, and kind of like talking about the end part of your story about how you kind of transitioned your business from Texas, you said that it kind of happened naturally. Um, but I'm also sure that you did like some strategic things 
like to sure. try to like get your ideal client to be more of that out, 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 wow, words, um, that adventurous outdoor bride. So could you give our listeners like any specific tips on if they find themselves like maybe they're like me born in Kansas and they dream of going off and doing a, a wedding in Yosemite or, or Glacier or wherever that like is adventurous, I guess, more so than yeah. wherever they might live now. Do you have any practical tips on how they can navigate out of that space and a little bit more into the destination space? For sure. Um, so anyone that listens to Abby and Lindsay will know that having a personal brand is so huge, especially for this business. Um, that's something that Callan and I really, really, really care about and really emphasize. And I truly believe like the most strategic thing we've ever done is to be fully ourselves and Mm. put that out there and like live the life that we want and always set our goals towards the life that we want. And then the business like happens to naturally follow that a lot because we're like pursuing the dreams that we want. Um, and we attract the type of people that are like us basically and, um, are outdoorsy and do these adventures, but we wouldn't attract those people if we didn't do those things too. Mm -hmm. Um, so my biggest advice for someone that's like living in Houston, Texas, wanting to shoot weddings in Utah is go to Utah. Like you're not going to convince someone to hire you in a place if you've never been there or if you've never shown on your social media or on your website, that you go there, you enjoy it. This is what matters to you. These are your values. Um, and then people align with that and decide to hire you. Um, Mm -hmm. so like obviously being like taking good photos and having a business and those kinds of things are really important, but truly I believe the biggest drive for us has been that like, this was our passion and this is what we wanted out of life. And we've pursued that. And for me, like it truly goes back to this job has always been a way for me to spend more time in Moab and more time in Yosemite and now Alaska. Mm. Um, and basically to have more time in the outdoors. And I truly think that it was really important for us to put that first and then have the business follow. So we, when we hit the road, we had zero weddings booked like for 2017. Um, we hit the road in September, 2016 we had one wedding that was in California later that year. And that was our first out of state wedding. Um, and we basically were like, okay, if we live on the road and shoot three weddings a year. And honestly, at the time we were thinking those three weddings were going to be back in Texas. Cause that's where we were able to book. Um, we were like, then we'll be able to live in this tiny camper behind our Subaru and public <laughs> land in Utah and like, rock climb a lot and then shoot three weddings a year and eat like peanut butter tortillas. Like, that was our big dream. Um, and obviously it ended up working out a lot better than that. And like, we basically were able to create this whole business and it was like March, 2017 that I switched it to the Hearns adventure photography and started like really dreaming about this being a business um, and started our Instagram account and that kind of thing. But yeah, truly for us, like it all came from this desire to be in the outdoors and to spend more time doing the things that we loved and then building a business that facilitated that. And honestly, I think that's what makes you guys so successful is because you're not just those photographers that are like in Houston, Texas, just dreaming and being like, oh, I want to shoot a wedding in Yosemite. It's like, no, you actually just want to like go explore Yosemite. Like that's, you live and breathe it. And I think that's what attracts people that want that in a photographer is because you actually are living it whether or not you are wedding photographers. 
Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I do, I agree. I think that's something that like our couples are really, really attracted to the fact that we spend our time off in Yosemite. Like we, and that we would come out there whether we had their wedding booked or not. Um, yeah. And that like, if I have their wedding starting at 3 p.m. that day, I'm going to wake up and go climb something in the morning and like mm-hmm. come back and eat lunch and go out to their wedding day. Like that's it's, amazing. It's our lifestyle as well as our business. And I think that truly has been the biggest thing for us to be able to build what we've built. Mm, I think that passion is like so contagious. Like when, whenever I hang out with like you and Callan, I'm just like, <laughs> let's go climb. Let's go skydive. Like I'm so ready yeah. for like any sort of adventure. And that's naturally like a bit more who I am, but I feel like it's just amplified like so much when I'm around you guys, because your passion is so contagious. And I think that's so appealing to your ideal client. And that's like, they're just so drawn to you because you guys live and breathe everything that you're doing. And that's just so attractive to your clients and to everyone who like loves you guys. Um, oh my gosh. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> seriously love you guys. But <laughs> I want to pivot a tiny bit and I want to talk about pricing because you uh-huh. are the queen of raising your prices to elevate your brand um, and commanding expertise through that. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you go about raising your pricing to what it is now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I will be the first to say that like pricing makes me so sweaty. Like honestly, <laughs> I have our I have our prices on our website and when my friends go to our website, I'm kind of sitting over there fidgeting like wow, they're going to read this and be like what the heck. <laughs> um so it's a pretty wild thing to figure out, but for us, it's always been about like analyzing the value of what we're bringing to the table um and also trusting our client base and trusting that basically the simplest way I can put it is that if people choose to hire us, like if we fully are honest about our experience, what we provide, what they can expect from us, and then we present what our pricing is and they choose to hire us. And then they go through the whole process, work with us. We shoot their wedding. It's an amazing time. We deliver the photos. They get the gallery, like all of that. If at the end of all of that, our clients are like, that was 100% worth what you charged, like more than enough. I would do it again in a heartbeat. That's when I know our pricing is spot on. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has been our experience so far. And anytime we've raised our prices, it's because we've like basically had a solid amount of time where that has been the experience. Every client has said, I would come back and spend this immediately. Um, and then we also, Anytime we've raised our prices, we've talked about like how we can bring the value up as well, because I, I truly believe like with such a personal thing, I want our prices to be obviously sustainable for us. That's very important, but I also want it to be like the value is beyond what the price is basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just something that I think is like really cool to be able to do for couples and to always go above and beyond. Um, so it's interesting because sometimes I think photographers think like, oh, I've been in business for a year, so I'm just going to raise my prices now. And it's like, you have to think about like, are you bringing the value up? Like, are you more valuable than you were a year ago? Mm. And the answer typically is yes. Um, but you need to like analyze how that is. And so for us, we found like, after we had been on the road for a year, we had explored a ton of places and had more experience in these national parks or 
all over Utah kind of finding new spots. And we were like, yeah, honestly, like at this point, if someone hires us right now, it's way more valuable than when they hired us a year ago because we know so much more and we have so much more experience. And so we felt super confident in upping our pricing. Um, And that's kind of always been the process for us. And obviously another huge thing has been like when we're booking more than we can or more than we want to, or when we're receiving more inquiries than we can book, that's been like a pretty key, like, oh, maybe we should up our prices if we're getting all of these inquiries and we only want to book, you know, 25 a year, um, we can bring the pricing up and the demand is there to fulfill that. So Mm -hmm. it's for us always been like, you know, when you raise your prices, you're kind of like, okay, no one's going to book this. Like (laughs) this is a big bump, whatever. We'll see how it goes. And then it's this really cool feeling when people do book it and they don't bat an eye. And then, you know, like I'm going to bring the value to this and it is going to be worth what they've paid me. Um, Mm -hmm. but a few like key things for us have been making sure that we don't overbook ourselves and making sure we can, we believe that we can give that price, like that value to every single client we work with. Um, and I think that for us, like being just the two of us as a team, not having like associate photographers, I know some people do that and I don't have anything against it, but we've chosen not to do that. Cause we fully believe like the huge value is working with me and Callan. Um, and not to sound like snobby, but like what you were saying, <laughs> Evie, like we, we have a certain energy that we bring to the table and we've had so many couples that have like at the end of their shoot been like, okay, well, I don't even need to see photos. This was already worth what I paid. (laughs) And it's like, Mm. you literally are paying me for photography and you're saying that, and that should say a lot about the experience that they had with us. Um, and so for us, it is kind of this like almost boutique style where like, you're only working with us. It's a small team. Um, and you're getting all of us the time that you have booked with us. And I do believe that that's extremely valuable and so we've always been able to like confidently bring our pricing to where it is. I think that's amazing. Well, and obviously you, you didn't start charging the prices that you charge now, but I love what you mentioned about the experience because, I mean, we tell our students this all the time, like after they take our workshop or our course and like start implementing that, they should raise their prices because they now are more knowledgeable than they were before they entered the door For or sure. before <laughs> they bought the course. Um, and I love what you just said about the experience and like kind of navigating that of like, okay, what can I add of value to this experience? And are my clients like raving about it? Okay. Are they, am I getting a lot of demand? Then that's the key to raise my prices. And I think a lot of people just look at like higher end prices out of the gate and they're like, oh, I want to charge that because I want to make money. But it's like, no, you have to, you have to like have that background of serving the client and giving them an excellent experience, whether or not the final product is, is finished. Um, and I, I love what you said. That's just amazing. And it shows how amazing you guys really are, uh, in your experience. That's so cool. Yeah, um, for sure. So pivoting or not pivoting, but kind of in this idea of pricing, what do you think about the idea that people who are eloping have a smaller budget? I know me, you and Evie talked about this when we were in Moab yeah. and you, you went like off and I love, I want to hear all of the juice <laughs> that you have on this topic. But cause I think especially people are like, okay, big weddings with like 200 guests are like so much money for the wedding. Cause all of the other, like you have the DJ, you have the like 
gifts. I don't know, all the things. Um, right. But for elopements, they think, oh, okay, there's just like an officiant and a photographer. You don't like, you can elope for like $4,000. Cool. Done. So what is your thought process on that? And how does that work for you having a little bit more high-end prices? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the biggest things to think about is that there are, there's different people with different budgets, like all over. Um, and basically a lot of people will just naturally think like, oh, if you have a huge budget, you're going to have a giant wedding with a giant party and like, uh, you know, all the things and have like fancy place settings and all of that. And if you have a small budget, you're going to have a small thing with like just a few people in your backyard. But anyone that's shot weddings knows that there's times where like people that have a small budget have a ton of people come to their wedding because they have a huge community and maybe they do a potluck or maybe they do something else. Or there's people that will have a huge budget that'll have like a 50 person wedding and it's like, you know, more fancy, but there's less people or whatever it is. Like I've never noticed the budget be what actually dictates how many people are present at someone's wedding. Um, and that was something that was even true when I shot weddings in Texas. And so when you think about it that way, there's definitely the type of people that want to have a really small wedding, possibly even small enough to be only them and an officiant. Um, and maybe they still have a huge budget and that's not rare. Um, but I think a lot of people just like in their minds are like, Oh, if you're eloping, you need to save money. But that, I mean, if I've learned anything in the past three years, that's absolutely not true. So um, like one of my favorite things to kind of tell people when we're having this conversation is if you think of the fact that like the average wedding in the U S is, I think it's $35,000. Um, that's like the average wedding budget. And think about how, if you're going to have like 200 people at your wedding, what that would look like versus if you decide to just put $35,000 towards an Epic trip for just the couple, like if just the bride and groom are like, we're going to spend $35,000, what should we do? Like there are so many options for that. Um, and so I think that's what like a lot of our couples are coming to the table with. They basically, like we talk with our couples about, you know, what was your process? Like, how did you decide to elope? And honestly, a huge majority, we have a lot of couples from the East coast that maybe right when they got engaged, they were like, okay, we want to do something a little different, but we're not totally sure. Like, let's look at venues. Let's do this. And they start looking at venues and they start looking at photographers and like adding all those things up. And they're like, wait, we're going to spend like 20 grand on a venue in Boston. We don't even want to get married in Boston, but that's like what is most convenient. And we're going to invite people that we kind of know because they're around and we feel like we have to. And now all of a sudden the guest list has gone from 50 to a hundred. And, and then they're just like, okay, I'm really stressed. What do I do? And they come on Pinterest, they go on Instagram and they come across one of our photos and they're like, oh my God, that's what I want to do. That's 100% me. How do I do this? And then they find us and they go to our website and they're like, okay, this is exactly what I want. I'm totally convinced. Like, this is amazing. And they're scrolling through and they see that our pricing starts at like 11 grand for an elopement. And they're like, okay, that's literally already half of what we were going to spend on a venue. And it's 100% more like us than anything we thought of over here. And they're just like totally sold immediately. Um, and it's interesting because that really is what happens so often for us. It's like couples that have started to plan a more traditional wedding and realize how much that's going to cost and what that's going to look like. And maybe they did have the budget to do that, but they're just like, I don't want to spend this money on something that doesn't feel right to me. 
and then they find us and they're like, Oh, this feels 100% right. And, um, and then they have like leftover money to be like, Oh yeah, I do want to do a helicopter tour and like land on a glacier in Alaska and play with puppies or something, you know, like it's really cool because these (laughs) people typically like they really have visualized spending some amount of money on their wedding. And then when they decide to elope, they realize how much more, like how much farther that money can go for a good experience when it's put towards like just a few people doing something versus buying dinner for 200 strangers. Mm, I freaking love that. And I think it's so important too, because you and Callan do such a kick-ass job of proving your worth and your expertise so that when those couples do like stumble across your website, they're like, oh my gosh, they know what they're doing. This, like they make this an experience and it's not just like, you're like, hey, we'll take photos for 11 grand. You're like, hey, do you want this whole experience that is going to be like a adventure of a lifetime that you'll remember till the day you die that you'll like tell your grandkids like with your eyes still like shining about how you took that helicopter tour up to the top of a glacier and played with <laughs> puppies like the way the way you guys market yourself and your expertise is just so next level that the minute they come across you they're like oh my gosh not only is this half the price of that venue i didn't even like in boston but also I'm already obsessed with these two people and this is so me. Like you guys do such a good job of marketing and branding yourselves with so much value that it's so clear that you bring that worth to the table. And yeah. I will say like Abby, you you have equal parts an incredible experience, but like let's let us not forget that your work is damn good. <laughs> yeah. Like I I was doing a website critique for one of our students and we do it in our Facebook group. And so I screen record and I was going through her website and I wanted her to do something like a grid or something on her website. And I was like, oh I think the Hearns do this on the website. So I literally went over and I showed her like your grid on your front page. And I just like literally yeah. looked at your and I was like, oh damn, she good. <laughs> <laughs> like so I get like people like see that and they're like okay yes so like I think half of it is the experience but also like making sure your photos is are like are so good like that matters so much yeah for sure I agree and that's like I think that's what's cool for us is that there's so many things that prove our worth but obviously like the bottom line is you're hiring photographers and that is the thing that needs to be like Mm -hmm. the best like the experience is amazing um, the planning, like our knowledge, our expertise, location, scouting, all of that is very, very good because of the experience we have. But like in the end, when we deliver the gallery, people are just like on the floor, like cannot handle it. Cause they're like, how, yes. how is this me? How is this like what we created? Like this day was the best ever. And I had no idea that photos could live up to what it felt like. And, Ugh. um, yeah, like that's where it goes back to for us. And, Honestly, like, I think a lot of that came from how much time we spent. Like, we basically spent a solid two years, like, adventuring and exploring these places before ever booking photos or, like, booking any gigs there. Um, And that time was spent, like, taking photos of each other, setting up our tripod. I took a ton of landscape photos, and I still do. Like, that's always been really important to me. Um, And I really think, like, all of that practice doing it and the fact that even though it's my job, I still will bring a camera on a hike with friends because I know that's like something that I really love doing. And it's really good practice at what I love to do for my job. Um, and doing that so often and spending so much time in different landscapes and perfecting my editing to be like 
what the place actually looked like. Um, all of those things have come in to make the product that we do deliver. And yeah, I definitely agree. It's extremely important that you have photos that live up to the experience that you provide people. Hey, Heart Fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get get paid, aka my favorite part. <laughs> HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. And with that, like being outdoors and how much you're like outside and exploring and all of that, you are so passionate about respecting the outdoors and you really advocate um, for Leave No Trace and everything. And we've had conversations about this. Um, But I would love to hear, like, did you have a situation or event that led to that like passion or was that something that just developed over time as you guys were exploring and like being outside? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's something that, you know, I've always cared about the outdoors and I've always wanted to pick up trash and like thought about my impact and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I would say like when we started adventuring on our own out West, we kind of started to learn like how to camp respectfully and not to drive off road when it's not like allowed and that kind of thing. Um, and for me, when we started our business, I remember like there were a few different events where I saw photographers would come out to Moab and they would shoot where like they just walked straight through the crypto, which like, it's basically this really fragile soil in Moab and you shouldn't go off trail because you don't always know where it is. It's not really obvious. Um, but I remember seeing photos where people had like stepped right through it and had couples standing in it and, um, people like in Yosemite going into the meadows, like off the trails that you're already allowed to go on, um, past signs that say like restoration area and that kind of thing. And it just never felt right to me. Like I always wondered how someone could spend time in this place and then choose to like basically exploit it for their own gain. Um, and I remember seeing that not just with like wedding photographers, but people that had like a popular Instagram and they would just go and break rules or go disrespect the place to get a cool photo. Um, and that always like really frustrated me. And then I remember like I started researching it and kind of figuring out like, how can I teach people about this? And surprisingly, like it kind of was met with some negativity. Like there were people that were more like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. Like you can leave me alone, you know, or, um, 
people being like, oh, community over competition, like, don't, don't tell me what to do. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, like, let's respect Yosemite, though, as a community, please. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, and it's interesting, because I think a lot of times, like people just genuinely don't know. And one thing that I've found is that pretty much anytime you call someone out for doing something wrong, they're going to be defensive. Like I, I know I am if people call me out, um, even in my relationships, like when Callan says like, Hey, you did this thing. I'm like, okay, well, this is why I did it. And this is why you're wrong. And I'm right. You know? And then later I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I was doing this thing and I shouldn't do that. Um, so I've found like, I prefer to just nicely call people out and be like, Hey, like, just so you know, this is a thing. And then they'll think about it later um, and hopefully make better choices next time. But um, yeah, it's just, for me, it's always been about like self-regulation, I think is really important. And especially in the national parks, I think often people are like, oh, well, a ranger didn't tell me not to do it. So that means I can. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're severely underfunded and understaffed. Like the ranger can't walk around with every photographer and tell them, what to do and what not to do. Yeah. But we can each take initiative as like grown adults and learn what's right and what's wrong and what's having a negative impact. Um, but yeah, I just think it's important to like care about the place. It gives us so much and the least we can do is respect it when we're there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's so good because uh, based on our conversations, like we've had a couple on these, Abby, and it's just it's so easy to not know. Um, right. And, and I think that's like recognizing, and I love the way you approach this because you're so gracious and that's just your personality in general, but you're so gracious in the fact that if somebody messes up, you're not instantly like, Oh, you're a terrible person. Like you did this on purpose. Like you should like burn in hell. Like that's <laughs> literally not your approach at all. And I think that's so much more, um, like digestible than, some where it's more like an attack. Um, because I think ignorance really is like the, the major factor here. And I know that for myself, um, when I was first starting photography and first getting into like destinations and I was shooting in my first few national parks, like I even remember shooting in Yosemite and it was winter. And so we didn't go into the meadows, but I had no idea that like that wasn't allowed. Like if, if, I hadn't learned that later on, I probably would be shooting in the meadows now. Like I had no idea. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah. And I mean, that's so true. Like even I've made mistakes. Like I, I always say like, I've stepped in crypto a lot of times, you know, like, and I've walked in the meadows. Like it's something that, um, there's no such thing as perfection. Like our existence in the outdoors has a negative impact on them. That's just the unfortunate truth. Um, and every trail, every road, every like bit of car exhaust, like some way we're hurting the park, but just to like take initiative to be like, okay, I don't want to hurt it more than necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and be aware of those things and, and then give yourself grace when you do mess up. Like I have certainly messed up. I'm sure if you scrolled back in my photos, you can find photos that are violating something, yeah. but like, I've certainly like violated things before in the outdoors and made mistakes and, um, been selfish too. I mean, there have been times that I've like thought like, Oh, this would be a really cool photo. And I'm going to like step right here and I shouldn't to get it. And like, I've definitely made those mistakes too, but I think just being aware and even like knowing when you're making a mistake or knowing when you shouldn't do something helps a ton. Like if everyone could just know 
what you should or shouldn't do in Yosemite, there would be a big impact. Yeah. Um, like a big positive impact versus just how many people like don't know anything or they go and they think it's just like Disneyland and they're like, <laughs> I can go wherever I want. If there's not a gate, I can be in a place, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people still like hop the gates and go past the signs that say do not enter. But um, I just think people need to realize that these places aren't as tough as we think they are. And that they need our help and that they need our defense. Um, And that like, it needs to be a relationship. It shouldn't just be, we go to Yosemite and take what we can get from it and come back and benefit from the land and the land pays the price. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think it's important too, to realize like, it's easy to feel like, well, I'm just one person. Like if I walk in the meadow, it's not going to hurt it. Um, but the ramifications of that, I think it's easy to mm-hmm. not realize what those are. But if one person walks into the meadow and takes a photo and posts it, then, you know, how many other people are going to see that? And then even if like one other person does the same thing, then three other people do it after that. It's like there's such a ripple effect that we don't think about. Um and so I think yeah. that's super important to realize too. It's like, it might be easy to be like, well, I'm just one person. Like I can't make that much of, of a difference or like a damage, but it really can um, negatively impact more than we even realize. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I remember seeing a sign once that said it takes one set of footprints for thousands to follow. And I think that is so true. And especially even more so now with social media, mm-hmm. Um The thing is, like, if you get a dope photo by breaking the rules, people are going to copy that photo. Um, And that's, it's just inevitable. And especially, like, I don't care if you have 400 followers or if you have 400,000, like, people are seeing what you're doing and are going to be inspired by it. And that's the goal and inspire people in a positive way that helps the places versus like hurting them um, is super important to do. And that kind of, this isn't on our notes, but I would love to hear from you just because you do have a really big following and just like Mm -hmm. how you personally balance having a job that does take you into the outdoors a lot. How do you balance like the fact of, of you shooting a couple like on, I haven't been to Yosemite, although I'm going tomorrow, like literally, literally for the first time tomorrow. So I'll have to talk to you after this. I'm so excited. (laughs) But how do you balance, um, is it Taft Point or Glacier Point? Like one of them, the one that you always shoot at. Yeah, Taft. Taft. Okay. How do you balance like shooting a couple on Taft and then having people like try to go recreate it and then potentially like endangering themselves or like, how do you personally like handle it? Cause I know you feel a lot of pressure on that, but also at the same time, like you are not responsible for everybody's stupid mistakes if they do something. Um, so I guess talk a little bit with us about that kind of topic of just like social media and the outdoors and then having a big following and that whole thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's honestly quite difficult. And it's something that I'm still figuring out and still going back and forth on. Um, I, I certainly believe that it's a balance. Like I don't want to have the mindset of like, well, I can't control everyone. So I'm going to do whatever I want. And then anything they do is like their own fault. But I also don't want to sit here being like, okay, if I post this, and then someone does this, like, how are they going to respond? And, you know, like diving deep into um, thinking that everything is like, because of something I did. Um, but I would say for me, like it truly goes back to like my gut instincts as far as what I post or what I'll say when I do post. So for example, like, yeah, Taft point is a sheer cliff. It is a 3000 foot drop. It's not a place that, um, there's not guardrails. Like you don't want to mess up when you're there. And 
it is kind of strange to see it become so popular for wedding photos and to realize that like there's people that have never hiked in their life and they're going out there for the first time <laughs> and um they're like thinking that they can wear heels with a dress or something oh, like gosh. that um and no. yeah it's scary like it there have been times that I've been out there and I've seen other photographers like pressuring their couple to get closer to the edge for a certain shot. And then in the back of my mind, I've been like, Oh my God, like their Pinterest board has my photo on it. And they're Uh trying to recreate that right now. And this couple is going to like get hurt because of that. Um, and yeah, like that feeling sucks and I don't like it. And it's actually, so I've stopped posting any photos of couples sitting on the edge. Cause I had one go like super viral once that, truly like the couple, we went out there, this couple was super stoked. Like they've hiked a lot. And, um, we were like taking photos near the edge at a spot that was totally safe. And then they were like, Oh, like, can we go sit and hang our feet off? And I was like, well, like my response is always, um, this is a national park. You paid your entry fee. You are allowed to do whatever you want. And as your photographer, I'm going to photograph it as long as you're not hurting yourself or the park. Um, but I don't recommend it. Like that's my like, uh, super legal (laughs) little spiel that I give people. Um, but they, they were like, Oh yeah, we want to go over there. And I was like, okay, like I trust this couple. I, you know, trust this experience. And honestly, like it was very adorable. They sat on the edge together and they were both just so thrilled and were like, this is amazing. And they did so safely. And then he kissed her and like, they were just like laughing and enjoying the moment. And I was far away just watching them kind of scared, kind of like, this is the sweetest thing I've ever seen. And they ended up like leaning back in a really sweet way. And it was all very safe. Like none of it was a time that I was like, Oh my God, this got sketchy real quick. Um, but the photos definitely look more sketchy than it is because it's like, it's Taft point and people, you know, it just looks weird. But, um, the photos drew a lot of people in and it, one of the photos went quite viral and, Um, since then I've like seen other people kind of like have their couple sit on the edge and do that kind of thing. And I've thought about how I basically was really happy that I was super confident in our couple when they did that. But I don't know that everyone that's taking that photo is as confident on their feet and comfortable around edges as this couple was. And so I've just decided like, okay, I'm not really going to post this specific photo anymore. Um, but I also realized that it's not my responsibility to, monitor or, um, think about like what other people do. Like for the most part, we're all responsible adults that can make our own decisions. And honestly, like if someone decides to recreate one of my photos and it goes poorly, that is not on me. Like I, I know my expertise, I know my couple's abilities and I spend a ton of time analyzing that. And I just can't control what other people do when they see my photos and my posts. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a difficult thing for me. I think that has come up a lot for us, whether it was like photos, rock climbing, or, uh, we've recently started ice climbing and that re- takes a lot of like hiking out on glaciers. And I've realized that someone might see a photo of me standing on a glacier and not realize that I took an intro to mountaineering course and that I have crampons on my feet and ice axes in my hands and that I'm comfortable with all of the equipment and the rescue situation, if something were to go wrong with me or Callan while we're out there. Um, and they might be like, Oh, I can go on a glacier in my Nike freeze. And honestly, like, it's just not my responsibility if someone does choose to do that. Um, after misinterpreting what they saw through my social media. Totally. Well, and you're really good about like, I think 
that kind of led to my next question was, how do you show your couples that you're experts in elopement photography and the outdoors? And I that everything uh-huh. that you're speaking about just like proves how knowledgeable you are and how just like that you take the outdoors seriously and you actually care about like, like you said, the rescue, like if something went wrong, you know what to do. You're trained in mountaineering, you're trained in like ice hiking, whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> I clearly am not, <laughs> but you, you're just like an expert in that. And I feel like that you almost nearly answered that question already of just like, how do you show them that you're an expert? Right. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, another huge thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is like, we are extremely experienced in this, this side of things and, and the outdoors. And while we could technically take a couple climbing or rappelling or, um, you know, out on a glacier, we actually have like a strict personal rule with our business that if anything requires like a harness or basically any equipment other than basic hiking equipment, um, we require that the couple hires a guide. And that's just something that like, even if we were guide certified and like totally equipped to do all of that, like, honestly, we can take our friends climbing, we take our friends rappelling and we feel extremely confident in doing that. But we've just chosen like for our couples and for our job we don't want to be the ones responsible for that. We don't want to be responsible for a rescue if something does go wrong or responsible for like teaching them how to repel while also taking their wedding photos. Um, and so we, we always have a couple hire a guide if anything is like beyond basic hiking pretty much. Um, even for some of the stuff that we've done, like Jeep roads out to, we had a couple once that was like extremely experienced at Jeeping in Moab, but they wanted to get married at a spot that was quite remote and required like very difficult four by four driving that Callan and I could do in our own Jeep. And we could like, in theory, put our couple in our Jeep or have them have their Jeep and like go out and get to the spot. But we just don't want to hold that responsibility as well. Um, and we believe that like hiring a, hiring a guide is a really good way to basically like know that you have these safety regulations, know that you have someone that their job is to get you to the spot. Um, they typically are carrying like medical equipment and that kind of thing as well. And it takes the pressure off of us f- to guide as well as photograph because we think that like we do a way better job at photography when we're not responsible for guiding someone. Um, but yeah, that's something that I see like photographers, you know, offer like, oh yeah, we'll guide you out to the spot. And it's like, uh, yikes, like I don't know if we should be taking on that role as well. Um, like in this, in this space, I think it's just something that like, there are people that are certified in that way. And especially like if you're traveling somewhere, it's a good way to involve the local community. And, um, typically guides aren't that expensive. So I always recommend having a guide if you're at all uneasy about a certain situation or place that you're taking a couple. That's amazing. Well, and okay, wrapping up like the whole like adventurous (laughs) photographer, outdoor, all of that. um, What is your advice to the photographer listening who wants to be an adventurous destination elopement photographer, just like Abby Hearn, um, but (laughs) doesn't know the first thing of how to get to like the level that you're at? Like, what would you recommend to her or him? Um, My biggest recommendation is baby steps towards like enjoying adventure and being comfortable with the things that you eventually want to do with a couple. So if you have never hiked before in your life, try and find a local trail. If you live somewhere that has absolutely no trails, no hiking, no climbing gym, literally nothing at all related to the outdoors, then start saving for a trip somewhere. Um, and I would say like, 
practically, it could be really cool to think of like, okay, I want to end up being an adventure wedding photographer. I'm pretty sure I want to shoot in the Western US. Don't totally know which places yet, but there's a few places I've seen that kind of stick out to me. Um, if you're in that boat, like honestly, plan a trip to Moab and come out here and either like DIY, build your trip and explore a bunch of trails. And, you know, there's a lot of good resources like alltrails.com and um, the Outbound Collective is also a really good blog with different ideas and activities. Um, but also you can come out to Moab and hire a guide and go rock climbing for the first time in the outdoors with a climbing guide or come out here and go rafting or go to a climbing gym and try that. Um, there's so many opportunities for beginners that I think a lot of people get super intimidated and they're like, I'm going to go on this hiking trip. And then they go to REI and they get all the stuff that they think they need and it costs a thousand dollars. And they're like, Oh my God, never mind, I'm never doing this. And it's like, honestly, most hikes in Moab, you can do with your tennis shoes. You can do with whatever clothes you wore to REI to buy all of the expensive things you thought you needed. Um, <laughs> but just get out there, like go to the place, start falling in love with it. If you want to be in a position that we're in, truly step one is to be so in love with these places that you can't imagine doing anything that takes you away from them. Um, and that for me was like the biggest driving factor and everything else came after that. Um, uh, and obviously also bring your camera and take a lot of photos. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best advice ever. Like I could not have reiterated <laughs> that better. That was amazing. All right. So Abby, you and your husband, Callan, live on the road for the majority of the year, as you kind of touched on earlier. But what made you guys choose that lifestyle? And then part two of that is what are your favorite and least favorite parts about it? Oh, fun question. Um, so we chose to live on the road mainly because we wanted to live in the Western US. We were living in Houston at the time and we couldn't afford to move somewhere. So we were like, well, we have this Subaru and we have this tiny little camper that we found in Denver, um, on a road trip once. And we we're like, I think if we live in this thing, we can live in like public land where there's free camping and, um, basically like explore a lot of the Western U S and then we kind of had in our minds, we'd either return to Texas or there was this like crazy pipe dream that we would fall in love with a place enough to end up living there. Um, spoiler, we did it's Moab and it's awesome. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we basically were just like, our lease was ending and it started as this idea of a sabbatical that we were going to take three months off of Callan's job in Houston and travel around the Western U S and then come back. But um, we kind of, the more we talked about it, the more we were like, coming back is going to be really, really sad and we actually don't want to. So we decided to just hit the road with no plan and basically see how long it went. Um, and we loved it. I bet like 10 months in, we got a van because we ended up being like, okay, we're going to keep doing this for a long time. Um, and we had started our business kind of on the road and it started going pretty well. So we bought a van and lived in that for a little over a year and then eventually bought the truck that we have now that we still spend half of the year in. Um, but yeah, for us, it was just about like spending as much time as possible in these places. And we found that if we lived on the road and went and worked in Yosemite, then we got to spend all of our free time in Yosemite during that time. So it was like versus living in a place and traveling to Yosemite and seeing it as a place we were traveling to, we were like, okay, we live in Yosemite for two weeks now. Um, and just with that mindset shift, we were able to spend a lot more time enjoying it and exploring the place 
as well as working there. Um, but I would say like favorite place. I mean, we basically have traveled a lot through every state west of the continental divide. Um, and then we've also traveled internationally a little bit. We've gone to Iceland and the Alps in Europe and Patagonia. Um, and we really have just fallen in love with Moab, Utah, um, as well as Yosemite and California and Alaska. And when we first started this business, we were like all over the place and shot in a ton of national parks and a ton of states. And we just found that we really, really loved shooting in Utah, Yosemite and Alaska. And that's pretty much now what we book in. We have a few one-off gigs, um, that we'll do each year outside of that. But, um, we really just love shooting in those three places and then kind of spending free time to explore other places. But honestly, for me, like, no, there's nowhere in the world that I have been that I haven't kind of wished I was in Moab at the time. Um, I just love it so much here. And it's like, it feels like a part of my soul is in Moab and Yosemite. And, um, so those are the places that it's like super important to me to spend a lot of time each year. Didn't you get two tattoos like for Moab <laughs> yeah. and Yosemite on your arms? Yeah. Yeah. I have Half Dome on one arm and then Castleton on the other. Um, and I love that because no matter where I am in the world, I have those two places with me at all times. That's amazing. Well, and then what was your least favorite part about living on the road? Um, for me, it was like, I would say kind of the inconsistency of the lifestyle, like that I didn't have a routine. And, um, for the first year and a half, we didn't have any friends on the road. And that was super difficult. We basically left when we left Houston, we left a really, really amazing community, a really amazing church that we loved. Um, and that was by far the hardest thing about hitting the road for us was leaving something that felt so right for something that was like, we couldn't go to church because we were in a different place every single Sunday and we didn't have a consistent community. Um, and we started to make friends about a year and a half in just through like the activities we did. Like most of our friends now are fellow rock climbers or, um, people in Moab that, you know, are slackliners and base jumpers and that kind of thing. Um, and it's kind of wild because we started this and the hardest thing was the lack of community. And now I look back at it and this past year has been absolutely amazing with our friends to the point that I think that the the community we have now is what's carried me through like the difficult things about it. Um, I truly don't know what I would do without the friends that we have right now. And it took a lot of work to develop those friendships, but we now have a super consistent community when we're in Yosemite and a, co- a consistent community in Moab. Um, and then a lot of friends that are also mobile. And so I see them like in Yosemite, we'll hang out for a couple of days and then we'll hang out in Moab and then we'll hang out. Like some of our friends will convince them to come up to Alaska and come like spend a week with us. Um, but that's kind of, it's pretty fun to have basically like neighbors that live all over the world with you. Um, yeah. That's so and, cool. Yeah. That's been super special. And it's something that I did not see coming. Gosh. Well, I just love, uh, the way you guys live. Um, spoiler alert. I think you know this, but me and Andrew <laughs> have always loved like van life. We always, it's always been like a dream. And so we have plans to probably 
in a year and a half ish, uh, go on the road with Eloise for at least like yeah. a, a short little time. Um, just because we want more babies and more babies on the road is a little bit harder. Although I know I've seen yeah. people do it before. Usually the more you have the, the harder it gets. <laughs> right. But also the thing with living on the road that people don't realize is one, you, it doesn't have to be this huge long commitment. You can say like, I want to do this for six months. And then at the end of the six months, if you freaking love it, keep doing it. Yeah. Or you can decide that it's over. And like knowing that there's an end date kind of makes the hard times a little bit easier, I think. Um, or being part-time on the road is pretty rad. Like I love having a house and knowing that I have a home to come back to. Um, but also knowing that I'm not going to be in Moab year round because as much as I love it, I also really love exploring new places. That's um, amazing. But yeah, I think like major props to you guys. If you do it with kiddos, that's going to be awesome. And I hope I'll learn a lot from you. About <laughs> I mean, you do it with a dog. A kid's the same thing, right? <laughs> More or less. I don't know. I can legally leave Charlie in the camper in a cage. And <laughs> I don't think you can do that with a kid. <laughs> Okay, that's real bad though. Like, I—that's true. I can't leave her in a cage. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. Okay, well, Abby, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. We are so thankful for your time and your expertise, and just you sharing all your wisdom. Um, so, if anybody has just listened to all your wisdom and has been like, "I need to follow this girl. I need to catch up with her. I need to book her. Whatever." Where can everyone find you and follow along with you and Callan's adventures, as well as see your epic photography? So fun. Um, yeah. So the number one thing is you can find me on Instagram and. Our wedding photography account is at the Hearns, so it's T H E H E A R N E S. Um, and if you find that account, then it also links to my personal account as well as Callan's. Um, we have we're both like super active on our personals, and I run the Hearns account. So I personally think they're all really entertaining to follow. But I would say for the individual. <laughs> look at each one and decide which one is the most relevant to you. Follow um, all three. Follow all of them. <laughs> yeah. They're unique. It's not like you're going to get the same content over and over or anything like that. Um, and then we're also on Facebook with the Hearns Adventure Photography and our website is just thehearns.com. Um, so that would be the best yeah. way to follow along. I love Perfect. it. People need to just go and <laughs> follow everything and absorb all your goodness because y'all are the best oh thank you i personally think Callan's stories are the best thing that's on the internet so definitely <laughs> they are they definitely are <laughs> his language is unlike anything i've ever seen so yes i agree with that. <laughs> i always joke i need to like write an interpretive guide like literally Callan Hearn's language for the english speaker <laughs> Oh my gosh. He, I remember when we like hung out with you guys in Moab, like, and spent a couple days with you, I like, <laughs> Callan would just say stuff and I would sit there and like, it would take me a solid 30 seconds to like decipher what he yeah. was saying. <laughs> yeah. People always joke like his Instagram captions are like, it literally takes me like five minutes to read one sentence and figure out like what you're saying, <laughs> but it all makes sense. It makes so much more sense than you think when you first see it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a gem. Yeah, for sure. Well, Abby, thank you so much. We have enjoyed talking to you and having you here at the Heart and Hustle Podcast. Oh, such an honor. Have fun in Yosemite. Thank you. (laughs) 